Now today we're in week four of a series entitled, Jesus is blank. Now if you look at the screen, there's a blank right there because it's a series where we're going into where we're actually trying to answer that question. How many of you know that who you believe Jesus to be is the most important question when it comes to your life? Because who or what you believe him to be or not be will determine how you move forward in life. And so this series is, it's been a blast. We're going to go ahead and dive even right in today. Um, And during this series, we're actually going through the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. Now, maybe you didn't grow up in church like I didn't grow up in church. And you're like, man, what's a gospel? Well, the Bible is actually not a book. It's actually a compilation of books. And four of those books are called Gospels. And a gospel is actually a recollection of stories and teachings, quotes of Jesus by a firsthand account, a witness, if you will. And so I want to go ahead and go into Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34. You can read along with me on the screen or in your Bible. The Bible reads like this. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians, and she had spent all that she had, and she was getting no better, but rather she grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and so she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I might be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned around in the crowd and he said who touched me who touched my clothes and his disciples said to him you see a crowd pressing in all around you how can you say who touched me he looked all around to see who had done it but the woman knowing what had happened to her she came in fear and trembling and she fell down before him and she told him the whole truth and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace and be healed of your disease We come across a story this morning of a woman that's got an issue. She's got something that's, it's not a minor issue. How many of you know we can have minor issues in life? Let me take you back to high school or or middle school. How many of y'all remember acne? You remember acne? You remember what a pain that was? But there are some issues that, if they're not that big, and so if you kind of don't acknowledge them, they won't acknowledge you. You can ignore them. They'll ignore you. Um, How many of you ever got one, like, right on your nose? It was, like, in your line of sight as you're trying to talk to somebody you're doing this? Those were some bad times, man. Or, or, or there's issues like if you get a bruise on your leg, if you don't poke and prod at it, you'll probably even forget that you have a bruise. Or like an ant bite. If you're going to sit and itch it, then you're going to be aware. But if you leave it alone, it's really not going to bother you. And here in this story, we come across a woman that has an issue that's not minor. It's not small. In fact, it's an issue that's impossible to ignore. We don't know this woman's name. We don't know where she came from. She was anonymous. In fact, she was just another face in the crowd. But what we do know is that this woman was sick, desperate, and in need. She's been bleeding for 12 years. I want to break this down today. That is 4,380 days. In all that time, no one's been able to help her. She spent all that she had, time, money, energy, resources. And the Bible says that she's only gotten worse day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It's always the same. Blood. The Bible says that she spent all that she had on doctors and treatments. And in verse 26, it reads like this. She had suffered many things by many physicians. And she had spent all that she had, and nothing was getting better. But rather, she grew worse. Now, we can assume this woman was once a lady of substance, a woman of means. uh, Because if you've lived a little bit, you understand 
Healthcare ain't cheap. C- come on. I-, I got two kids under two right now. I'm still paying just for them to be here, their birth, you know. Whoever said love don't cost a thing lied. It's costing me a whole lot. And so in order for this woman to be able to compensate these doctors, how many of you know she had to have been able to have had the money to do so? And the Bible says that she's done this for years, doctor after doctor, diagnosis after diagnosis, treatment after treatment, and nothing happens. In fact, she's only getting worse. Her health is in decline. And I'm sure that this woman would have probably considered just giving up. Can you imagine a decade-long ailment? Maybe the thought of, acceptance or just accepting this and saying, man, maybe it's never going to get better. Maybe I should learn to live with this. Maybe I should just learn to deal with this. And maybe her hope has been gone and suffocated. I'm, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I can just imagine discouragement and disappointment becoming the norm for her. Day in and day out, hopelessness and helplessness probably defined her life. And it was impossible for this woman to live a normal type of life. Listen to this right here. With, with this condition, what you got to know about that day and age is that the Old Testament law and customs, this woman would have been considered unclean, not just physically, but spiritually. She would have been considered an outcast to the community in her day. And so this, we, we, we find this woman here, and she's been prohibited from being around, let alone touching somebody. The possibility of marriage was not even to ever have been considered. Think about this. This woman and the things that come with marriage, things like sexual relations, childbearing, and the like were never to be considered by her. Can you imagine having to come to the realization of the knots in your life? That's not going to be a possibility for me. That's not going to happen. And this woman, her life was one without hugs from friends, hellos from children, embraces from a parent, absent of all of this, this is where we find this woman, even unemployable, the Bible says that she's, she's got, she broke, she's, and, and she can't get a job because she's unemployable, and most likely at this point, she would have exhausted her resources, having spent all of her money on doctors, and in this shame and honor society, in this culture, this woman experiences embarrassment and exclusion. Can I just tell you, if she didn't think God was punishing her, I'd expect there were some people around that did. I'd expect there were people around her that said some kind of foolish nonsense like, man, 12 years, God ain't healed you? Where's your faith? 12 years, God ain't healed you? Man, you must got some small faith. You probably just don't, you probably didn't pray hard enough or pray enough. Or maybe something like this, God still hadn't healed you, it's been 12 years? Man, there's probably some sin in your life. What kind of secrets you got? Now, how many of you in the room have ever prayed for healing and it didn't happen and some kind of nonsense was spout from some Christian's mouth at some point that said some kind of nonsense like that to you? If that's ever happened to you, can I just start off this service today just by just saying, I'm so sorry. And I also want to challenge you, please don't allow your perspective of Jesus to be defined by, inaccurately by somebody else's, maybe even well-intentioned response. We don't know much about this woman. But we do know that she had heard about Jesus. We don't know what she heard. Maybe she heard a teaching. Maybe she overheard a teaching. Maybe she heard about Jesus casting out demons. Maybe she heard about Jesus calming the storm. We don't know what she heard. But what we do know is that what she heard about him inspired her to step out and act in faith and go out and touch him. 
displaying determination and focus, this woman sets a courageous course. I'm going to talk a little bit about what all of that even meant for her. But before I do, I just want to go ahead. Point number one of today's message, and we're going to talk about this for a little bit. Number one, I want you to move your faith from your head to your heart today. Move your faith from your head to your heart. Here's what that means. Today's message is about your faith going beyond the comprehension of your mind all the way to the belief that's found inside of your heart. Can I just tell you, we never use words like logically and miraculously in the same sentence. When's the last time you heard that? Two plus two equals four, logically. Now, if two plus two equaled 84, that would be a miracle. We don't say two plus two equals four. Oh, my God, that's a miracle. We don't say that. Why? Because we can comprehend. That's what it's supposed to be. And, and so I, I want you to catch this here because maybe perhaps you've heard the gospel many times in an intellectual sort of way and you've comprehended a belief in God. Can I just tell you, I got to teach this real quick. That's not exactly faith. Faith goes beyond the comprehension of your mind. It goes into what's found inside of your heart. Can I just tell you, even the devils in hell believe in God? Can I just tell you, even the devil himself can comprehend that God is on the throne? But there's something more to faith than just a mindful comprehension. It's something that's found deep inside of your heart. And this is what sets the woman apart from the crowd. She recognizes her complete and total inability to help herself. Logically, she's at her end. She looked at Jesus as her only hope of healing, and she acts on it. She acts on her faith. Can I just put it this way? You cannot analyze. This woman couldn't have analyzed herself into healing. She couldn't have analyzed herself. Jesus didn't say, listen, woman, your, your faith. She, he said, your faith has made you well. He didn't say, your comprehension has made you well. Man, your analyzation of, of what's taking place here, man, that's made you well. No, no, he said, your faith. And this woman displays what can almost be described as selfishness. This was the cost. Because in that day and age, it, she's ignoring the fact that legally her touch makes somebody else unclean. The fact that she touched a man was even worse in that day and age. And so she's weighing the shame of being recognized by an angry people, a community that's considered her an outcast. And here's what they did. If they would have recognized her and found her and realized her condition, they would have drove her out. You know how they would have driven her out? By picking up stones and heaving them her direction. She puts herself in great danger. She's not supposed to be in a crowd, much less touching a man like Jesus. In modern terminology, can I put it this way? She's a stalker. It's broad daylight. She hears about Jesus, and she starts following him. He's unaware, and she's kind of doing this, just trying to get, that's a stalker. And she's following him. And she decides that her need trumps what others will even think. She ignores logic. She acts in faith. And I'm so glad that many of us in the room have faith, but I just want to mess with you just a little bit today. I just kind of want to step on your toes and ask you, when's the last time you've applied it? When's the last time you acted in faith? Where it went beyond logic and your heart had to be attached to it. This woman touches Jesus, and the Bible says in verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and that he turned around and in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Now, Peter, he's the loud mouth of the bunch. Every group has one. And Peter speaks up and he says, who touched you? Jesus. It's standing room only. 
You're asking, man, he touched you, she touched you, I touched you, they touched you, her touched We all touched you, man. What are you talking about? And, and listen to what he says. He says, you see a multitude of people around you, and you're asking who touched me? The word touch can actually be translated to fasten oneself to. It, it translates to a death grip on something, like a pit bull locking on. It implies grabbing hold without the intention of ever letting go. This is what faith does. It, 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 it pours out your heart into something and says, either God, you move or you move. That's all I'm believing for right here. And the crowd saw Jesus. This is point number two. The crowd saw Jesus as one option. The woman saw Jesus as her only option. Verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Can I just tell you, when the woman touched Jesus, the one thing that had been missing from her life up until this point was immediately restored. And Jesus does what no doctor in 12 years has been able to do. Point number three, we're going to go quick because I want to spend some time on the back end leaning into some tension. Because I understand this topic is, there's some tension. We're, we're, just, we're not going to shy away from it. We're going to talk about it. But number three, this morning, the woman shows us Jesus is our healer. Where every other healer had failed, Jesus gets the job done. This woman not only had faith that Jesus would heal her or that he could heal her, she has faith that he would heal her. And the Bible shows us here, as I study this, I'm going, man, what's this text asking us as an audience? And the text is actually just acting, asking us and communicating to us, have faith. It goes back to faith. It goes back to faith. And I'm frustrated because I'm going, what? So how do we apply that? What do we do with that? That doesn't really help me practically. And, and, and there's, there's really an inseparable link between faith and healing. To summarize Jesus calls this woman's, if you look at everything she did, he summarizes her actions, her attitude, and her confession. And he says, those things constitute faith. And so this morning, I want to ask you to ask yourself, really wrestle with this in your own heart. If your actions, your attitude, and your confession in life are currently reflecting what Jesus called faith. And maybe you're in here today and you've prayed over an issue, or you've prayed for healing, and it didn't happen. There's tension here. If I get the band to go ahead and come forward, I want to close with these next couple of thoughts right here. Maybe you've prayed over an issue, and you didn't get the result that you desired. I want to explain a few things real quick as we look at Scripture. Number one, healing does happen. Period, exclamation point, end of story. Healing does happen. God still heals, and I've seen him heal other people. And, and, and so, in fact, after spending three years with Jesus, the apostle John, as he's writing his letter, this is how he starts it off. It was apparent that he understood that God heals. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. While Jesus was on the earth, he healed the multitudes. Go read Luke chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. In fact, the Bible never records an incident where Jesus refused to heal anybody. But here's what we need to grasp. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing, the hearing of the word of God. Faith is based on the knowledge of God being good and doing good for us. The Bible says the woman heard about Jesus. That led to her being informed about Jesus. That led to her knowledge of Jesus, which led to her actions of faith. Now, here's the other side of that coin. Number one, Jesus is our healer. 
Absolutely, positively, 100%. Here's the other side of that coin. God is sovereign. That just means God's in control of whatever happens. And this is the tension that all of us must wrestle with for ourselves. I want to share a quick story. Because in 2015, I injured my back in a way that changed my life forever. Herniated disc, pinched sciatic, twisted sciatic nerve. I mean, I would lay on my stomach and work on my computer because it's the only position where I could find, find the least amount of pain in my body. And I'd work there, and, and I'd go home, and I'd try to hold my, my brand-new seven-pound baby, and I couldn't hold her, and that was so frustrating. And I remember having to say no to things, good things that I just couldn't do physically. I remember my wife having to drive everywhere because I'd be in the passenger seat recline back with pillows underneath my back because getting in and out of a car and doing that kind of bending was the most excruciating pain. I was constantly at a level eight or nine on a scale of one to ten. I remember just being depressed. I remember getting... Uh, you know, I, ha- I had a, um, a oh man, what is it? I have a, this is weird when you forget your own illness, your ailments, you know. Um, uh, I have a disease where my immune, an immune system, dis- yeah, my immune system attacks itself. And my hair would fall out. And I've got plenty of pictures where I just have circles of just hair falling out and, you know, getting sick. And I remember it's like all happening at once and I'm going, God, I've prayed for healing. Why have you done it for other people, but you've not done it for me? And I remember having to lean into this tension of being real frustrated and then letting doubt and resentment and frustration build up in my heart where now I'm actually in a pretty negative place with God. And I've heard healing preached my whole adult life in church. And now at the one point where I need it, I'm not getting it. And I'm going, God, man, I'm, I'm serving people. I'm in, the, I'm in church, I'm pastoring, I'm loving people, I'm doing hospital, but man, why won't you do this for me? And I'll never forget one day, because my attitude was just affected in a real negative way, and I'll never forget, I was over here one morning throughout the week, and it was a time of prayer, and I felt like God was wanting to say something. So I got my pen out, got my paper out, and I said, okay, Lord, what are, you, what are you trying to say today? And I felt like the Lord just said, Justin, you've allowed your prayer life to be based off of your experiences in life. And because you've not experienced what you've prayed for, you've stopped praying for it. And my response to God was, well, duh. And, and listen, I'm just going to be honest. Like God is big enough to handle our negative reactions, our bad attitudes. God's big enough to handle us on our bad days. And if you've not had a bad day with him, just keep living. I'm here to encourage today. And I'm sitting here going, well, duh. And I actually quoted the definition of insanity to God in this time of prayer. I'm like, so you want me to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result? That's what you're asking me? And I felt like God said, exactly. This is what faith allows us to do. Faith allows us to not just ask once, but ask a 13th time, a 38th time, a 112th time, a 346th time. Faith allows us to keep coming back to God and saying, if I could just but touch his garment, maybe I might be healed. It allows us to keep coming back to him. And in this time, I remember saying, God, I don't know if I have the faith to keep asking for that. I'm just being honest. This was on on the back end of year two of having to deal with this. And I said, but God, if you'll walk with me, I'd like to work on getting it back. Can I just challenge you today? Lean into the tension of a relationship with God when you're hurting. And in this season of learning to wait with faith, here's some lessons that I learned through the last past two years. My first two years were miserable. My last two years, God 
really spoke to me as I opened myself up back to him. Number one, and here's the crazy thing, as I was studying this passage, Jesus defines this woman's actions, attitude, and confession, summarizes it up, says that that's faith. And in what God did with me on the journey that I went on with him to healing, I realized God changed my actions, attitude, and confession, man. It's like God set it up. And and so here's the first thing. Wait with a faithful, wait with faithful actions. You know, for a long time, I stopped responding to the altar time at the end of these services. Whenever there was a response time and somebody would say, we're going to pray for you if you're sick or injured, we want to pray healing. I just stopped responding. It's embarrassing. And this woman in this story, she has to overcome two obstacles. She has to overcome her own embarrassment. She has to overcome the crowd. And even to this day, I still respond to altar calls on the back end. I'll explain kind of the, where I've ended with God, but to be able to have to step out and come up here and then people lay hands on your shoulder or your back or pray and then as soon as they say amen I'm going still hurting and then they'll say things like are you healed? did God heal you? and then you don't want to lie and then you feel almost guilty because you're not healed and then all of a sudden people will say well let's pray again and then they'll pray even louder and harder and you're just like man nobody wants to be healed more than I do I want God to heal me And so I stopped. And then as I leaned into this tension with God of God's sovereignty and God's ability to heal me, some changes began to happen. As as I just began to say, Lord, I'm going to let you be God, and I'm going to keep responding with faith. So I made a decision. If there's ever an altar call for healing, the way that I can act in faith and demonstrate my faith is I'm going to respond. I'm still hesitant, still reluctant at times. At our last encounter service, I still responded to that altar call. And I got up here, and I just said, God, I'm going to have definitive resolve here. I'm going to act in faith. Second thing the Lord taught me was to wait with a faithful attitude. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Here's what that means. You can only show up and expect something for so long, show up and expect it, show up and expect it, and not get what you expected for so long before that starts to affect your heart. And my heart got real sick because I got real negative towards God. Can I just challenge you? Don't let your heart get sick. As you wait with faith, don't let your heart get sick. Here's what I had to learn. When I didn't understand what God was doing, and after years of wrestling with this tension and learning about God, I just made it, I found definitive resolve where I just said, okay, Lord, here's where I'm going to land. I believe that God can heal. Absolutely but I'm not going to presume that God must heal. There's tension. And in leaning into this tension, my attitude began to change. You want to know one of the main things God did with me in my life where I was on this journey towards healing? See, I grew up with a dad whose response to everything, I broke like eight bones growing up. His remedy for everything was, oh, you know what you need? You just need a little dose of uh, suck it up. That's what you need. That's what he said for everything. If I was sick with a fever, cough, sneeze, broken bone, didn't matter. It was suck it up. After hearing that my life, my whole life, I, I came into my adult years and I go into a meeting and I go, hey, where's so-and-so? Oh, they're actually sick. They're not going to be able to make it. And in my heart and mind, I would think negatively of them and go, oh, they're sick? Oh, boo-hoo. They made a commitment. They should be here. 
And in my heart and mind, I was very hard on people, and I grew to resent people, and I allowed people to develop a reputation in my heart and mind. And can I just put it this way? I just lacked a lot of empathy. Can you picture that? A pastor that lacks empathy. A pastor that lacks the ability to really care for people. Like, that's the job. And it was like God was saying, listen, I could heal you right here, and I do want to, but you're learning something, and I don't want to rush this because you need this for the rest of your life. Can I just tell you, I'm a better pastor for having suffered a little bit. And I'm not saying it all makes sense, and I'm not saying I understand it all, but I will tell you that as I leaned into the tension of God being a healer and God's sovereignty, I began to grow and change. Listen, we waste our pain all the time. But when we lean into this tension with God, he doesn't allow our pain to go wasted. And I just want to challenge you. If you're going through something, what's God wanting to say to you in this season? Would you just open up your heart to that? I'm not saying you thank God for the season, but you can thank God in the season. I'm not saying you thank God for the injury or for the sickness or for the ailment, but you can thank God in it. And in that, there's growth. I had to learn to wait with a faithful confession. That's number three. And I just had to learn to stop speaking death. I just, I just, I'm just going to speak life. You know what we say? We say things like this. It's always going to be this way. It's never going to get better. And we speak negatively over situations. All the time we do this. Can I just put it this way? John 10.10 says it like this. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God came so that we may have life and life abundantly. Don't let the enemy come and steal, kill, or destroy your faith in a moment where we lack understanding. And here's what my confession has been. When I step out to respond to an altar call, it's almost rehearsed because I know what I'm going to say. And this is what I say. I just go, God, maybe today's the day you do it. Maybe today's the day you heal me. And I'm going to step out and I'm going to ask one more time. Maybe it's today and if it's not today, I'll ask tomorrow. And actually at our last encounter service, I realized how much God had really done in me because we want our lives to be bettered. But in this altar time, I actually came up and I prayed right here. And I remember just going, God, maybe today's the day you heal me. God, I know you can. And because I know you can, even if you don't heal me, God, there are other people in this room that are sick and hurting. And if you don't do it for me, would you do it for someone? My perspective changed. Don't let the devil come in and destroy your belief that Jesus is our healer. The whole point of this story is this right here. Where men failed, Christ succeeds. And can I just share a quick testimony? I woke up one day and I was just standing here after doing this for two years because the last two years looked different than the first two years of my injury. It's been four years now. And I just remember going, looking at my back like, yo, when did you get better? And I'm getting in and out of cars and it's like, listen, God didn't heal me instantaneously. God decided to do it his way. Over time, slowly, with intentionality, with lessons, with growth, with my best interest in mind. 